0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Lones. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire as... This episode's all about the Gator Nationals, the Pep Boys All-Star Top Fuel call-out, and we're talking to Brittany Force. And it's going to be Tim Wilkerson! Wilkerson goes 391-2! The NHRA's East Coast opening weekend is upon us and it is going to be massive. Perfect reaction time for Dan... Triple zeroes across the top of the time slip, and at the finish line stripe, it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Cruz 395 395.8, 324 miles an hour, a margin of victory of 26 and thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here with our Emily Oil NHRA Gator Nationals episode, it's going to be fantastic. Of course, uh, within that race will be the Pep Boys Top Fuel All-Star Callout Race, which was... Uh, Going to be a central topic of today's conversation. Going to have one guest on the show, and that guest will be Brittany Force. I want to talk to her about a multitude of different things, but certainly talk about the start of her season, kind of what she's looking forward to at the Gator Nationals, and and how she sees this whole year kind of rolling out for herself and the Monster Energy Top Fuel team, as well to carrying those flavor pack colors at many races as well. Of course, the Gator Nationals represents the East Coast start to the season. For many NHRA fans, they think that the season actually does start at the Gator Nationals. Of course, it did in 2021, that that this Gator Nationals weekend was opening day, so to speak, for the entire sport. So uh, it's kind of neat to get back there and put this race back in its rightful place as far as it being the third race on the NHRA Tour. And what we're seeing this weekend and what we will see, great car counts. Uh, We're talking about full full. Opening weekend for a pro-stock motorcycle category, Nitro Funny Car is full, 21 pro-stockers, and 21 top-fuel dragsters will be on the property. Now, eight of those top-fuel dragsters will be participating in the Pep Boys Callout race that will be uh, happening on Saturday, with the call-outs themselves happening on Friday. And another kind of thing to throw in there is the Pep Boys uh, callout race will be shown live on Fox Broadcast Network Television. So that'll be Saturday, March 12th, you'll be able to tune in on your local Fox affiliate and watch all the action from the callout race. I think one of the elements of this callout race that has not gotten as much play as maybe it should is the fact that uh, because the callouts are happening before qualifying session 1, it's not like racers will have an opportunity to see how they're running over the course of the weekend. We know what teams look like over the first couple of races, but uh, I think everybody would be more comfortable if they were able to make their decision on who they wanted to race first in second round, really, uh, as to how they had been running in qualifying. So everybody's kind of going in with a blindfold on this thing. First time we've ever done it as an organization, and it is going to be uh, just a fun element. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to watch and see how it all plays out. And of course, it's the purse is a total purse of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. The winner receiving 80000 of that, and there is a distribution of uh, the rest of the money kind of depending on where you land in elimination. So in the past, these have basically all been winner-take-all uh, style shootouts, and I believe uh, working with Pro and, and many of the teams, NHRA came up with the payout structure for this. So that simply getting in gets you something, and winning gets you the most of all, as it uh, as it definitely should. I would be in favor of the racers being able to wager their own potential winnings in this thing too, um, kind of giving it another added element down the road. But all things being equal, the eight cars that are involved in this shootout are definitely worthy, and those um, those that are on the top four, really, the, really the top three, will be the ones making the decisions here because once you get to the fourth. You know, the, the the top half of the field, so to speak, once you get to the fourth person, they will be picking whoever's left, kind of like in gym class, uh, you know, kickball picks. <laughs> whoever's the last guy ends up on one of the teams that's short of man. So, um, I think we can speculate as to who would choose who and why they'd choose this or that. And to me, it's not you know that interesting a conversation yet. I think that it becomes interesting when we watch and see what people do and then we can start to um, kind of dissect their logic. I think it's been cool that, you know, no one's really kind of come out and said what they wanted to do. Part of that, I think, is because unless you're Steve Torrance, who is the number one pick, you are really at the mercy of whatever happens ahead of you. So it makes no sense to come out and say, I'm going to choose this person. Um, and then knowing full well that you may not have the opportunity to do that. So um, we've created some great content around this thing and graphics, all kinds of cool open for it. Lauren Adams is shooting that and making that uh, opening for that the, the broadcast show. Um, and then, of course, we have the, the actual race to run as well. And, you know, with the car counts we have and and really look, I I think this is not a huge uh, shock to anybody that lives in the modern world that's looked at the weather forecast. It is looking unpredictable Friday and Saturday for sure. And that's going to throw a monkey wrench potentially into qualifying. I mean, it's when we talk about some races over the course of time that have had interrupted qualifying because of weather um, even when you have 21 cars, look at the U.S. Nationals. We had great car counts there, and, and qualifying was all but a wash, but for one session. Ended up with a hell of a race on Sunday, but the qualifying was just wacky because of the fact that we had one session and you know we we saw Matt Hagen's car not make it in because they had the wheelie bar adjuster fail and stuff like that. So um, really anything can happen. Probably anything will happen, and that Friday session, uh, is going to be vitally important. Uh, every as every session will, but really the Friday session, just to get yourself established in the field, is going to be um, going to be something else. There is going to be massive crowds at the Gator Nationals, as there always is. NHRA actually put out kind of a fan advisory that people should be getting to the racetrack early in the morning if they want to be able to kind of get in on time. I know that uh, traditionally the Gator Nationals is a race that I'm always kind of an early arriver at the racetrack. I like to get there in the morning and and get myself set up and going. But the Gator Nationals is one that I'm always kind of doubly early on because of one, the size of the facility and two, the fact that uh, if you've never been there before and you wait to go in like mid-morning, you're going to be in a miles long traffic jam just trying to get in the parking lot. So, Uh, That's a PSA for me as well. If you got tickets to the Gators and you're going, uh, make sure you're getting up nice and early so you can get in and and get yourself situated before it becomes too much of a madhouse trying to get into the drag strip itself. Um, Beginning of the pro stock motorcycle season is something I want to touch on here before we continue on with our discussion, but. You know, Matt Smith's coming back in. We're not going to see Gianna Salinas uh, racing at the Gator Nationals. As we know, she had a a crash in Bradenton during testing. The front forks on her motorcycle failed at the top end. Uh, She was thrown from the motorcycle. Thankfully, the injuries were not uh, overly serious, but she had a sore foot for a while that she had been kind of walking on and then finally went to the doctors. They said, yeah, you get a broken foot. So she's unable to race this weekend. So we won't see her debut, I'm guessing, until... I don't know if it's going to be Vegas. I'm not sure where they uh, plan on debuting Gianna when her, you know, will be cleared as far as ability to ride. Uh, These motorcycles, your feet are uh, incredibly important for placing leverage on the pegs to steer. And if you have a foot that's not up to snuff uh, and you're not able to use all that kind of let the leverage and strength in your legs to to kind of place all that force into your foot, um, you really can't, you can't ride one of these motorcycles properly in that manner. So, um, Gianna won't be there. Jimmy Underdahl will, and I, I bring this up because obviously the scrappers team is now kind of under the purview of Matt Smith racing. He's, he's working with them to tune the bikes and provide their horsepower and stuff. So with Jimmy Underdahl, a uh, very experienced rider, likely will have more power than he has had in in several years on that machine. And it'll be fun to see how he translates. Uh, Matt Smith right now, we assume is going to be racing on his Buell, uh, the bike that he has been so successful on over the last several years. He did tell the world at the end of last season he would have a Suzuki ready to go and ready to compete on if he felt as though the Suzuki package was uh, more competitive than the Buell. When we look at the weather forecast for what Sunday can and should be, the high is basically 60 degrees, maybe. There'll likely be some wind. Uh, If it is that cold and there is a tailwind at Gainesville, I, I do believe there is a potential we could see a sub uh, a sub 670 run for the first time in the history of the class. It seems to me that, not that anything is a foregone conclusion, but it seems to me that the national record may be um, somewhat of a foregone conclusion as far as being broken by the time we get away from Gainesville. Typically, that record is threatened at this race uh, under normal circumstances uh, on a day where you're going to have very cool air and, and potentially a tailwind. Uh, it seems as though that record could be annihilated second-tier story in pro-stock motorcycle. Of course, Andrew Hines is not riding in 2022. Hines will be simply, uh, I should say simply, he will be concentrating all of his efforts as a crew chief on the bikes of Angel uh, Sampey and the motorcycles of Eddie Krawick as well of the Vance and Hines camp. It's a big deal for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, you hate to lose a rider uh, of the caliber of Andrew Hines, but there is part of me that is excited to see him Being able to concentrate his efforts simply on those two bikes and really making them the best they can be. Eddie's brilliant. Angel, number two in the points last year, a championship competitor right up until the end. And then we take Andrew Hines and put his, you know, brain power and ability um, and concentrating like laser focused on not only having to make his own bike run well and the other two run well, but being able to analyze data and uh, remove one of those variables in terms of his time and competing as a rider as well uh, could mean big things for the Vance and Hines team. And, and those results uh, may be immediate we'll be watching out for them as uh, as the motorcycles begin their qualifying in the weekend. Pro modifieds looking pretty good. I mean, obviously, uh, in the course of years, the um, in the course of years the the classes has come up and down as far as car count goes. I do feel as though we're going to be in a better spot in the mid-season than we are right now as far as car count. Uh, I do believe it filled up with 16. So, good to have a full raft of pro modified cars there at Gainesville as well. Top Fuel at 21 cars and Pro Stock at 21 cars this weekend. Uh, Nitro Funny Car is 16. Blake Alexander is returning uh, at Gainesville. Of course, we know what happened in last year, the tragic accident uh, that took the life of Dylan Cromwell. Their crew guy uh, decimated uh, one of their trucks and trailers, and and it's been a very long process for them to recover on multiple levels. The mechanical side of the recovery is one thing, but the emotional side of it is another and, uh, you know, they did not rush to get themselves back to the racetrack. They did everything the right way, as Jim uh, Head and, and Blake Alexander wanted to do. And so it's going to be nice to see them back. I'm sure it's going to be a welcome sight for many of the many of the folks down there that are fans of Jim Head and Blake Alexander, but also people that um, know that Dylan Cromwell would have wanted them back at the racetrack. The guy was uh, a very hardworking young man and, and unfortunately uh, was involved in that accident, which was no fault of his own, working uh, and driving one of the rigs. So... Uh, Blake and Jim Head being back is a, is a great thing, and it'll be an emotional moment for uh, a lot of people in the funny car pits when they see that car in the staging lanes. Pro Stock, as mentioned, 21 cars on the grounds. Uh, we saw the quickest EFI field in history at Phoenix, and it, depending on how qualifying shakes out here, depending on how many opportunities of what Mother Nature allows, uh, we may be Breaking that record again. Uh, this is what happens when you bring all these number of cars with this quality. Is that you see performance barriers start to get start to get smacked around, and you see you know these bump spots historically start to drop. You know it's very rare to see a pro stock field all the way in the six forties um, from one to sixteen, and it looks as though uh, we're going to see that again. As I look down the entry list, it is just stacked up uh rob tucker and rather shane tucker coming back is a great sign as well one of our australian racers who's uh, for obvious reasons been unable to compete for a couple of seasons uh, he'll be back over uh, we have a racer from sweden of course we have the quadra family from mexico so a very international flair for pro stock at the gator nationals but for me in so many ways the biggest story of this race as it has been the first two races is the top fuel field with those twenty-one cars, we look down the list, we see the big underdogs, we see the the Lex Junes of the world on there, but we continue to see great cars. We see Spencer Massey be driving Pat Dakin's car. You know, we see some of these part-time wildcard uh machines show up. Crystal Baldwin's gonna be there. Of course, that's a car that runs consistently three eighties. I don't know if that's gonna be enough to get in this weekend. In the event we have three qualifying sessions, I'm not sure 380s are going to do it. And I I know that they know that. I mean, I'm sure they're going to press and and try to get the thing into the 70s. We look at the performance that Clay Milliken uh, put on in Phoenix. We saw that car run in the high 360s for the first time in a very long time. He and Mike Clover really seem to be kind of pushing that thing and and what – well, the same reason we're seeing these very quick fields in Pro Stock is the same reason we're seeing these increased performances in Top Fuel. When you bring the race cars and you have to live up and perform to a level, everybody stands on the gas a little harder. That's drivers leaving the starting line with uh, with maybe more aggression. That's tuners stepping up to the plate, knowing that they have to push their equipment because running a 374 against a guy that ran or a girl that ran 365 or 66 in the round before isn't going to get your round wins. I really do kind of believe in the adage that cars fix everything. And and we're seeing that in so many ways, cars fix everything because, um, they do things intrinsically that you don't even think about. You know, it's one thing that, okay, great, we have qualifying and, and we have 21 cars. That's fun. We get to see some bumping and stuff like that. But then you realize what actually happens because of the 21 cars you have there. People approach the way they race differently when they know that, one, you have to earn the spot in the field. And, two, when you do get in that field, it is going to be very fast because the quality of the 16 that make it, is very high. That takes nothing away from from the races we've had over the years where it's been 15 cars or whatever 15 16 cars. Those races are also very difficult to win because the 15 or 16 cars you have are very good, but they're all a known quantity. It's when we start mixing in these uh, these unknown quantities, these very fast part-time teams, the teams that have good parts and pieces that run a limited schedule. That's where, to me, it gets really interesting, and I think we're going to see some of that this weekend in Gainesville, especially if Mother Nature intervenes, and, and that's that's why I think the one shot people get, uh, if they get one shot, is going to be step up to the plate and deliver, and, and it's that great kind of dividing line between choosing to do something you know is going to get you down the racetrack or choosing to do something that you know might put you in the top half, or choosing something that may not get you down the racetrack but may get you all the way to the top of the field, it's a very risky operation. It's a risky proposition. It also is a a style that we may see people pedaling and qualifying for the first time in a very long time. Uh, we have seen it a couple of times so far this year, but pedaling the car and qualifying is something that only happens when you have enough cars to make a bump spot, because otherwise you know you can coast to the finish line and run 19 seconds and compete on Sunday. So, you know, all of these elements um, have have made the Gator Nationals what it is over the years. It continues to deliver in terms of fans. It continues to deliver in terms of cars. The Holly Factory Stock Showdown category um, is insane I think there are 30 entries in there maybe 31 and yes all three manufacturers are represented it is the most healthy fleet of Fords we have had in that category for many seasons so Ford Chevrolet and Dodge all highly and very professionally represented in that class as well uh, alcohol dragster's got a bump spot alcohol funny car is a great field for what we've seen historically over alcohol funny car the last couple of seasons we get I think a dozen plus of them there so you know I, it's tough to not sound like a complete cheerleader about the Amelie Oil Gator Nationals, but the fact of the matter is, I don't know how you can be a fan of NHRA drag racing and look at what's coming in terms of the cars, the people, the the prestige that's involved in this event, the intense competition that we know is going to be there, and not be really, really excited about what you're going to see um, when we start you know, get an action going on Thursday with Sportsman Qualifying. I'll be down there with Reinhardt, uh, calling the action on Thursday as we run time runs for our Sportsman categories. And you know, it's one of the uh, limited number of four-day events we have on the NHRA schedule, which I think is cool. It's always, um, to me, an exciting, really fun day on Thursday. That that we call it Hardcore Thursday because of you know, typically the fans that tune in to Sportsman Qualifying and time runs are the hardest of the hardcore. They know what they're looking at, they know what they're coming to see, and they want to have kind of an un. Under- fettered look at the best sportsman racers in the country getting the job done and that'll be what we do on thursday on friday of course be more sportsman stuff and then first round of qualifying the callouts will happen i believe just it's it's scheduled the callout itself is, is scheduled to happen just before round one qualifying so there is a photo opportunity for the eight participants um, and then there's going to be the stage set up. We're going to get everybody in front of a crowd. We're going to get people whipped up. And I guess uh, I think I'll be playing the role of, of master of ceremonies uh, to a degree uh, with Amanda Busick during that particular part of the program. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to press people a little bit. It's, it's not going to be, I'm not going to let people off the hook. Okay. That's, that's that the fun of this, the fun of this is the kind of uncomfortable nature of this. It is us doing something as an organization that is new for us it is drivers doing something that is new for them it is us you know ultimately placing ourselves in an uncomfortable situation right that's what this is that's why people want to see this and and i think it speaks to things in our sport that have been missing particularly with you know NHRA professional level drag racing for a long time you know people are very excited about this because they know they're going to see something and that something is kind of a conflict that something is um that something is maybe a little abrasiveness. That something is this idea of the raw basic nature of drag racing, which is I am faster than you are. I think I am faster than you are. And I'm going to show you that I'm faster than you are. And the opposite side of that is, oh no, you're not. And I'm going to show you why you're not. And so, you know, when this sport is, is at its finest, when this sport is at its best, it's when we can look at the, the raw nature of not only the mechanical side of it, but the raw nature of the human side of it. And so, um, That is what we get to showcase twice this year. We get to do it with top fuel cars in Gainesville. And of course we'll be doing it with the funny cars in Indy. And you can't tell me that a lot of funny car drivers, uh, all the funny car drivers are not going to be paying close attention to see how this whole thing shakes out. And I think it only makes sense as well that you can't tell me that everything's going to go according to plan as far as when people are, you know, how people make their decisions and what they're basing their decisions on. And, you know, If you choose wrong, and you can choose wrong in this thing, the eight competitors in this are all literal all-stars. I mean, the eight competitors in this thing, we go right down the list. We got, you know, obviously Torrance, Salinas, Brittany, Antron, uh, you know, Langdon, uh, Coletta. I mean, You know, just go ahead and tell me which is the one you want to race in this group because it's uh it's no easy pickings and especially with all the storylines we've had coming into this year with crew chief changing and updating of crews and people moving around and um there's just all this great stuff. Leah, of course, is in there as well. So gonna be fun, gonna be great, and one of the participants in that Pep Boys. All-Star call-out is Brittany Forrest, driver of the Monster Energy Top Fuel Dragster, along with flavor pack colors being shown on that car with frequency as well. And we welcome Brittany Forrest onto the show here, the NHRA Insider Podcast, for her first appearance of the 2022 season. Brittany, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I want to catch up with you because obviously through the first couple of races of the season, cars has been running very well. You're going rounds. And I just want to first start out by getting a little maybe self-evaluation. How do you feel like things are shaping up for the team at this very early part of the year?
1: Uh, I feel good so far. Coming into the season, we had a strong season last year. I mean, we finished number two. Yeah. Um, and the really great thing is, um, I've said this before, but to me, it's it's important as a driver. I've carried over for since 2019 with the same exact team, and that just for me makes me as a driver feel more comfortable. You have the same group of guys around you, the same team, and. You pick up your routines throughout the year and it's hard when, you know, you lose people from your team or you gain new people and then you have to, you know, figure out how you all work together again. So it's nice that we've carried over the same team again since 2019, uh, minor changes. But it's David Gremnek, Max Savage, and it's you know most of that that advanced team that I started with in 2019.
0: You know, I think one of the things that's like it's impossible for us to a degree to, to to portray it on TV when we're you know we go race to race, and it's something that this sport has this relentless nature to it. And I want to talk a little bit about that with you because of the point you just made. It. it The good teams like yours, like they take that kind of relentless nature of the season and it makes them even a tighter bond. And we see teams that maybe don't have that and and the wheels come off the wagon late in the year. So talk to me or maybe tell the fans that are listening, maybe something they don't understand about how kind of relentless the season is. I mean, it just doesn't let it doesn't let up from end to end
1: hmm Yes. Uh, we race 20, now it's, tw- I think, 22 events yeah. in our season. And, um, you know, it used to be 24. And the beginning, yes, it is a little slow. You get some breaks here and there. But once, you know, end of spring picks up, beginning of summer, it is go, go, go. And you do not stop. You don't go home. You don't sleep in your own bed. <laughs> it's just easier to go from race to race. Our teams pack up and drive, um, um thousands we just of miles. The, yeah. I mean, these yeah. guys
0: spend uh, the, the number of hours they spend together in the vehicles driving around the country, I think is one of those things where it's either going to go very right with the team or it's going to go very wrong with the team.
1: Oh, I know. They're all crunched into a car together, <laughs> driving across, you know, the country and I'll make the mistake of flying in and I get there and complain about, oh my <laughs> gosh, my flight got delayed. I got stuck in Dallas for three and a half hours. And missed my connect. And they're looking at me. They're like, are you kidding me? Do you know how long? We-? I'm like, Okay, I'm sorry. I won't <laughs> complain about that again. You're right. You're right. But um, you know, in the past, I've actually um, a couple a handful of the races, I would jump in the cars with the guys and just drive with them, and um, just to you know see what it feels like to really be on the road. But it is. It is. It never stops. Is the thing you get going, going. You're living out of a suitcase. You're in and out of a different hotel. Every single weekend, half the time I'm standing there wondering why my room key doesn't work, it's because I'm at the room that I was in last weekend, 202, and now I'm on a different floor. So it's you, you just, it's, it never stops. And the one thing that makes it easy is having family out there with you.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're out there and you're doing it alone and you leave the track alone and you get up and get coffee in the morning alone, it makes it tough, but your team kind of becomes. I mean, they're my best friends. They're, they're family. I've always said a team is like family. And that's kind of i first racing. When I first came into the sport in 2013, even as a kid watching my dad, it was, we're one team, we're family. And, you know, we do team dinners together. Um, I fly in early to events, and we do team outings where we go boating or we go exploring Brainerd, Minnesota's downtown, whatever it is. We, we find ways to have fun together, get away from the racetrack, and just have good fun. And, um, you know, I've just, these guys are, they're the ones that, they put all, they put everything in this car. I yeah. mean, they put hours, they do, I mean, they don't ever get enough credit. And I really do appreciate every single one of them, all their hard work, everything they do, weekend after weekend. And it's actually been a tough few weekends for them, just the start of our season. We've, we've, you know, done a lot of damage and it's been already long hours just in the beginning for these guys. So I really do appreciate them. They're the best group of guys to work with. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's family. You have to make it family to make it work or else it's going to be tough out if you're out there alone every every single weekend.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, one of the other things that I think is a lost element to a lot of our fans and it's something that I hope in the future we can we can bring people more inside of and and really illustrate what a what a crew chief's leadership role is right we we understand you know we look at David Grubnick and most of the fans think oh he's the guy that you know tells him how much compression ratio to put in when and what uh you know what the fuel system setup should be but Mm -hmm. really that's such a it's a it's such a tiny part of that guy's job it is so Mm -hmm. much of a head coaching role in that crew chief position and and why is David Grubnick kind of a good head coach
1: he's awesome because he really involves the whole team um I've worked with a ton of crew chiefs um over the years and i've always taken away you know lots of things from all of them but the one big difference with david Gremnik i've seen which i really enjoy and i think the team really appreciates it as well is he really asked for the guy's opinion at the end of a weekend or even going into a weekend like hey this is where we're at um you know let's kind of do a team vote w- what's our plan here going in this weekend what do you guys think should we go this direction should we go that direction and really and the guys are like really you, you want my, you want my opinion on this? Like <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's usually like role, but he likes, it's one team. He's, he Grubnick's always said that. And he wants all of us involved. He'll, I guarantee before we go to um, Florida at uh, Gainesville and do this call out, he's going to sit down with the guys. What do you guys want to do? Yeah. It's, you know, h- how do we want to do this? If she gets to call somebody out, it's our team. It's all of us. What do we want to do? And he really involves the group, which is, which is just awesome.
0: Yeah. I think that, and I think that's, that's what a good head coach does. It's, it's, it's almost like everybody has a piece, a little bit of ownership about what's going to happen, what's going to happen with the approach. And I think when you, you kind of invest in your people in that way, it it definitely, as you mentioned earlier, this is what the cohesiveness of a team is. When you feel as though that your input is valued by somebody, you're going to work your, your ass off to make sure that you don't let that person down.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you see it with all the guys, um, And yeah, again, I've never worked with a crew chief like him. He's pretty unreal. And I mean, he shows up every single weekend. Uh, You see our car run and it's, he's pretty incredible what he could do.
0: You know, we're, we're kind of a, we're such a start stop style sport. You know, you win round one, we stop, we service the car where you win round two, you stop, you service the car, you, a race is over, the sport stops and it, and it comes on kind of to the next weekend. And The reality is that's not how it goes. It's not how it goes for any of us, whether it's you're on the broadcast team, you're driving a race car, you're working on the car. Um, How difficult is it for you? Because it's something I struggle with personally about carrying something race to race. Like if I flub something up on the broadcast, like I need it's taken me years to figure out how to do it is just to kind of let it go and move on to the next thing. For a driver, the amount of acute pressure on you, how tough is it not to carry something forward that maybe annoyed you from the week before or something that just sticks in your craw that you just need to get rid of?
1: Honestly, that's one of the tough things is you carry over, you carry it over to the next weekend, whatever it is, whether it's this great energy because you did great or this gut ache, terrible feeling because you screwed up and I've been in both places. It's, and that's the roller coaster of drag racing, the ups and downs and carrying it with you and really, Yes. Um, you could get rid of it. But really, it's till you get back in the car and reset for me. And it's just that first qualifying pass, and it's like, okay, it's a new weekend, it's a new start. You know, the the playing field is we're all at equal parts now, and let's start over and let's get after it again. So that is the one great thing is we go right into the next weekend, whether it's a week later, two weeks later, we're right back out there kind of resetting everything. And uh, that definitely helps because it is tough. You carry it home with you. It makes you sick and it's not easy. It definitely is not easy.
0: Yeah, and I think that the reality is if you're going to be a championship competitor and I mean, whether it's tiddlywinks or top fuel racing, you you need to have some of that in you. Right. The ability if you're just able to simply brush something off to me, it would it would be a signal of somebody who really doesn't have that much invested in this. But if if some mm-hmm. of this stuff carries with you, that is ultimately how you become a champion, which you've done uh back in 2017. So it's 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 mm-hmm. it's a, it's a g- interesting balance. And again, it's it's these invisible things that to me it's like our fans as much as we try and we do work our ass off and try to do it, there's so much of this sport mm-hmm. that we just can't quite translate over a TV screen.
1: Yeah, it it really is. There's a lot that goes on behind you know, behind the scenes, uh, crew guys, the, just the whole team, all of us. And it's all the hours that you don't see. It's it's well, even look, it,
0: even the, the, just everybody's life. You know, some guy, you know, maybe somebody one of the crew guys has got somebody sick at home or, or maybe somebody's, you know, relative is having a problem or maybe that dude is struggling with something nobody knows about. Like these are, you yeah. know, I, we look at we see things in, in, in a one-dimensional way to a degree because we watch the guy service in the bottom end of the car and we mm-hmm. kind of failed to realize a lot of times that that's a human being that has a whole life going on around him as well as yeah. the job he's trying to perform.
1: Yeah, no matter what you've got going on, you still carry it with you. It's just finding a way to, you know, let the distractions leave your mind and focus on doing your job and and completely 100% being present out there, um, you know, throughout the whole weekend.
0: This season is is shaping up to be kind of unbelievable when it comes to top fuel racing. The first two races have been mm-hmm. just incredible. We have twenty one cars that are going to attempt to qualify down at Gainesville. Um, you know, from your perspective as a as a competitor and as a woman who's been in this sport her whole life, it has to be exciting to look out there and and see kind of this flourish that we're involved in right now.
1: It is. This has probably been the biggest. Um, change we've seen in the last i mean i've been racing for the last 10 years and this is the biggest year stepping in where i thought holy cow (laughs) it's gonna be tough this year i mean it's i've noticed even over the years it just seems like it keeps getting tougher and tougher this one um by far this season will be the toughest i mean all the changes that have been made new drivers come um i have my teammate austin Prock back tony schumacher's back i mean it's just all the way down the line it's changes being made everywhere um crew chief swaps it's going to be a tough season i'll tell you that
0: you brought up the call out and i am going to bring it up and and uh i will preface this by saying before we came on to have this conversation i told you straight up i'm not going to ask you who you're considering calling out i think it's a dumb (laughs) question and it's a decision that's going to get made that day and frankly i don't want the fans to know that i want the fans to to live this moment the way the rest of us will as a generalized perspective though I feel like this is going to be fun. I feel like it's something different. I think it's something we've needed for a long time. And it's just going to present itself as a totally different kind of anomaly of a thing.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. Like you said, it's never been done before. So it's new to the fans and the teams. And it's kind of, I feel like we're kind of going to, we don't have an, we don't know what we're doing yet. It's exactly what you just said. We're going to figure it out once we get out there. How it's going to shake out, how it's going to go down. We're going to have a discussion about strategy or, you know, really just amping it up for the fans and having fun with it, we don't know what direction we're going to go. But um, it should be exciting. It definitely should be fun. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it.
0: And the reality is this is, a you know, obviously a race within a race for money and not points. And mm-hmm. one of the things I think is... is interesting in the fact that without the points does that change does it change at least your mental approach and i don't mean that in a i'm going to drive the car totally different way but in terms of a pressure because to me it seems like hey this is a golden opportunity to kind of take a deep breath and go okay listen this is this is for whatever 80 grand to win or 50 grand to runner up whatever the number is um how does that if at all change
1: i mean i definitely i think it I don't know because I've been in, you know, we usually do it at Indy the last few years. It'd be an Indy and it was kind of nice coming into it all. And, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's not for points. It's just for fun. But then there's this added pressure of what it is. It's this race in itself. It's now it's the first of its own and there's added pressure right there. So there's always pressure no matter what. Yes, you get out there with your team and you have fun with it. And we're going to go for a win, but the pressure's always there. That never goes away. No, because you want to do well, you want to win, yeah. and it's not easy. <laughs> well, of course,
0: and 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 obviously, I guess to to a degree, you know, success on Saturday can can really kind of carry you to success on Sunday. We've seen it back mm-hmm. in the day with those indie shootouts. It didn't happen that often, but but a fair amount of times, the shootout winner would come into Sunday and and kick some ass because not only mm-hmm. do you get a couple extra runs going to the final round of that shootout, you also get a yeah. couple more clicks off at of the tree at at the same racetrack.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it, it does set it up that way. And it, and it, like, like it does take the pressure off in a, in a sense of its own, but it's still going to be there. And it's still also in the back of your mind is that you got to reset yourself because there's a whole new race in another day. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a lot to carry. It's a lot going on, but more than anything, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited that it's, that it's back. Um, and we have a twist on it and it's kind of cool that it's just top fuel, you know, going to Gainesville. It should be fun.
0: And listen, Gainesville is a place that's uh, near and dear to your heart, obviously place. You got your first top fuel victory. So there's plenty of happy Mm -hmm. memories there as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's where I got my first win. So it's a big, big race, big deal to, you know, me and my team and All of us love
0: that place. Last question before we let you go, you know, Mm -hmm. and talking to a lot of people at the preseason test, a lot of the teams seem to be using Gainesville as almost a bit of a bellwether. Like they're going to kind of look at how they performed at Gainesville as almost a tone setter as we move forward. First two races are what they are. They're done. Uh, this Gainesville race on the East coast, a massive drag strip. It's usually a sellout every year. Um, have you guys approached that the same way Is is Gainesville kind of a, a mile post in the season to, to kind of step back after the, after the weekend and go, okay, we have our ducks in a row or we need to make some adjustments here, here.
1: Um, I think a little bit, but mostly it's, you know, we, we, we start right there in testing in, in the beginning of February. Uh, we went testing in in uh, Phoenix, and then you go straight into Pomona, back to Phoenix, and it's kind of we just, we collect the weekends as we go, and we get to the next one, and we reevaluate. Look how we did last season, pull up all our runs and, and kind of, you know, reset up from there. But um, I think it's just kind of recollecting collecting yourself you know when you get to the new racetrack and and what is our game plan going into this race uh what are we you know how are we going to do it how are we strategizing how are we going to get to that winner's circle
0: it's fascinating. It's going to be a long season, and I know, Brittany, you're going to be in the thick of it as we get there. Good luck this weekend, not only at the Amelio Gator Nationals, but good luck at the Pep Boys Top Fuel All-Star Callout. It's going to be fantastic. I'll be down there um, with you guys on the starting line Friday afternoon and uh, shoving a microphone in your face, making everybody mm-hmm. uncomfortable. It's going to be fantastic. Okay. Can't wait. Look forward to Travel safe, Brittany. I'll see you this weekend. Thanks so much. Great conversation with Brittany Forrest, great insight into not only their team, her approach, and kind of how the season of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing plays out in the world of top fuel competition, really at the highest level of top fuel competition. This weekend will be epic. The Amelie Oil NHRA Gator Nationals happening at Gainesville Raceway. If you have any ability to get there, get there, especially on Saturday for the the Pep Boys All Star Top Fuel Callout. There is a load of media buzz around this event uh, from non-traditional drag racing media as well. We're talking about uh, mainstream media, if you will. We get a press conference as I make this show on Tuesday before the race. We have a press conference this afternoon that's going to be held. Uh, a bunch of reporters there from various media outlets, newspapers, websites, uh, from really across not only racing but across the media globe, and it's going to be pretty spectacular to get a little bit more insight from those competitors, the likes of uh, you know Antron Brown and Sean Langdon, uh, Steve Torrance, and others. So the call-out will be unique. The racing on Sunday will be incredible. Qualifying will be electrifying, especially when we get to the pro stock and top fuel categories with 21 entries apiece. We'll find out if Greg Anderson can kind of right the ship. He's not really running to the degree we would have expected him. We'll find out if Erica Enders can come back and grab another one if Aaron Stanfield continues his reign of terror as he has made two final rounds in the first two races, winning one of them. It is great, great, great stuff happening in the world of NHRA drag racing these days. Cannot wait to get to Gainesville. Then we'll have a couple weeks off and head out to the lights and glitz and glamour of Las Vegas. And then a couple weeks off and we really get into the meat of the order going into April and May. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans. I'll see you on Fox Sports 1 as well as the Fox Broadcast Network this weekend. Wall-to-wall coverage of the Gator Nationals. Make sure you go to NHRA.com for the entire broadcast schedule. But certainly tune in on Saturday for live coverage of the Pep Boys All-Star Top Fuel Callout. The first of two we'll have this year. The funny cars will be coming at the U.S. Nationals. We'll see you this weekend and we'll be back next week with a recap of the Gator Nationals